On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We're also helping the environment by reducing these businesses' environmental footprint and making sure they're in compliance with both state and federal regulations. Energy efficiency and energy trends are among the focus points for the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, including an educational workshop to be held next month. Some people will do anything to keep their job, including faking a vaccination card. And in our business profile, we'll revisit a conversation about an interpersonal training company and its history. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of February 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. We've told you previously about some of the work done by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center based in Cedar Falls. We've not yet introduced you, though, to their work with energy efficiency and business. That's the topic today as I share with you a conversation with Dan Nicky, Associate Director of the IWRC. We connected via Zoom on Monday, January 31st. We realized that there were not a lot of programs in the state of Iowa to help small businesses. And when I say small businesses, the Iowa Waste Reduction Center refers to small businesses as as your mom and pop stores, your body shops, your salvage yards, and small manufacturers, your car dealerships. There was no real statewide program to help them address energy efficiency in ways to reduce their environmental footprint, but also ways to save them money. We got a grant from the Iowa Economic Development Authority's energy program to implement an energy assistance program for small businesses in Iowa. And we've been doing that now for, we're just finishing up our second year. The goals of the project is to provide on-site technical assistance through doing energy audits, and then also providing education and resources for the businesses to educate them on energy issues and how to reduce their energy expenditures. You can go into any sort of operation, I trust, and be able to identify various things that are, quote-unquote, wasteful. So give me an example of some things that you can almost just right as you get out of the car notice that someone who works in the place may not see immediately. If we're talking waste audits, for example, as a body shop, because they're using liquid paint, they're going to have hazardous waste issues, disposing of waste paint. They're going to have air admissions because that paint booth under Iowa air quality regulations in the state of Iowa is required to have an air permit. And they're going to have solid waste issue as well, disposing of rags and material into Iowa landfills, which have certain requirements. And then also on the energy perspective, a body shop has a lot of energy issues. Mainly, we're looking at three different areas for small businesses for energy, and that is their lighting system. If they're using old fluorescent light bulbs that you may have them in your house. Well, if they would switch over to LED lighting, there's a specific energy savings that we can calculate for that business on the energy savings and cost savings that they switch over to LED. Then there's the building envelope. We have equipment that basically can analyze the buildings and let them know where they may have areas of their building that is not well insulated. It's using a camera that basically detects the different thermal differences between a good insulation and bad. 
So it's a thermal imaging camera. So we can look at the building and let them know where they're losing heat. The final thing which businesses really like is if the business is using compressed air, like a body shop would, and compressed air is basically you got to think of, okay, when you fill up your tire, that's compressed air. And businesses use compressed air to run tools, to run machinery, for cleaning and equipment. That compressed air is generated through an air compressor that runs off electricity. Well, if that compressed air system has leaks in it, that compressor has to run continuously to make up for those leaks. Well, we have a piece of equipment. It's called an ultrasonic leak detector that can pinpoint the leaks in the system and quantify how much that leak is wasting energy and in return, how much that leak is costing the business. A good example, we did a small collision repair facility and we identified enough leaks that they saved 10% on their electric bill. And for a small business, that's huge. So that's the kind of things that we can look at for a business when we do an energy audit. It's a really good mission because if you are a business, you're obviously concerned about the bottom line. If you're a human, you're concerned about the planet. And if there's some way that you can help both out, truly, it's the definition. I hate using the phrase win-win, but that's what it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Hate to say it, but yeah, everybody seems to like our program because we're helping businesses save money on one end and make them run more efficient. But on the other, we're also helping the environment by reducing these businesses' environmental footprint and making sure they're in compliance with both state and federal regulations. So if someone is listening to this conversation and they say, boy, this is the kind of thing I'd love to have someone come through and take stock of things, how does that work? How does somebody listening get from hearing about it to actually having you folks involved? The best way is website. It's probably the easiest. Go to iwrc.org, and there's a form that you can complete and ask for assistance, and we will call you and set up an appointment. It can be an energy audit, or it can be a waste environmental compliance audit. And what that is, is we come in as if we were a DNR or EPA inspector and find out if there are any issues within that business that might be a violation of DNR, Department of Natural Resources, or EPA regulations. And the benefit here is it's free and it's also confidential. And that's under Iowa law. So if we see something that's not in compliance with applicable environmental regulations, we can tell the business how to correct it and what will happen if they get caught. But if they decide not to change anything, that's totally their prerogative. And again, it's free. IWRC.org for all of the different programs involved with the Iowa Waste Reduction Center. And I know on the energy efficiency page, You've got a link for small business assistance, but also educational resources so people can dip into this to the level they wish to. They may just want to have a little more information before deciding to give you all a call. You have everything right there. And you also have uh, various programs at times, sometimes webinars, sometimes in-person workshops, and there's a major event coming up in March. There's two goals of the energy program, the audits, but also education. In that regard, we are having a energy trends workshop on March 24th in downtown Des Moines at the Embassy Suites. We're bringing in renowned, nationally recognized Dr. Eric Woodruff to be this keynote speaker. And then we're going to have sessions in the afternoon. It's an all-day workshop. And the idea here is to bring everyone together that is interested in energy policy and the future of energy management in Iowa. Let's have a discussion on where we're going and some of the new trends that are happening, like electrification of Iowa, possibly. That's going to be one of the panel discussions where more and more of our energy is being derived 
from either solar or wind power and what the ramifications of that are. Also the ramifications of EV vehicles and then looking at future technologies. So yes, that'll be March 24th in downtown Des Moines. You can get, again, more information on that at our website at iwrc.org and register. As you look ahead toward this workshop, you can't just do it yourself. You have to have various partners involved. You can't bring in a speaker like Dr. Woodruff, who will be on this program in a few weeks, but you can't bring somebody like that in without there being some cost, and therefore you need some support. We are doing this in partnership with the Iowa Association for Energy Efficiency, and there is a cost for the workshop to register, cover the expenses. We are doing it with partners, and a lot of other people are helping them promote the workshop through their communication channels. So hopefully people will be seeing some emails and newsletters about the workshop and to help get the registration in there. And again, as I see it, the cost is $48, which is a very small cost when you're talking about this kind of resource being right there for you, where you can interact with people, where you can hear from the experts, and you can see where things are going. And with that, Dan, if we're going to be forward-looking at this conference and say, all right, this is where we think we'll be in 5, 10, 15 years, if we were to roll back time, would we have predicted accurately about where we are now. In other words, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, were people as in tune to this topic as they are now? Wow, that's a great question. Who would have thought that we would have had this many windmills in the state of Iowa 15 years ago? I know I would never have thought of it. I would have to say no. I don't think anyone would have realized the technology. I mean, we're looking at energy storage now. We're looking at hydrogen as a future energy source. These are the kind of things that we're going to be discussing at the workshops and also discussing, though, is it a good idea? What are the pitfalls of some of these technologies and the ramifications? So getting back to your question, no, I don't think anyone could have predicted uh, where we would be today. And I think that's one sort of the goals of the workshop is let's try to figure out where we're going to be down the road and what are some of the implications of those decisions. And it's interesting that that was your answer because that was my suspicion just as a layperson. It's that We did not expect to move this far this fast. And so if there is kind of a groundswell, if you will, to pay more attention to the topic, there could be some real momentum, some real critical mass to move this forward for the next decade. And folks better be on board now or they're going to get left behind. Yeah. And I do want to say, you know, we have no agenda here. We're not trying to promote any certain technology or policy or legislation. We have no desired outcome from the workshop. The idea is just to elevate the conversation, not to advocate for one side or issue or technology, just to elevate the conversation and get people talking and trying to decide down the road where we go and what things need to be done or what technologies look promising for Iowa. Dan Nicky, Associate Director of the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, online at iwrc.org. And as noted, in a forthcoming edition of this program, we'll have a conversation with Dr. Eric Woodruff, who will give the keynote presentation at the IWRC's Energy Policy Workshop to be held in Des Moines on March 24th. Still to come, the old idea of a fake ID card takes on a new twist, and education to maximize business and professional potential. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. If you or a farmer you know is experiencing FOMO, 
the Iowa Soybean Association's Innovation to Profit Conference, powered by the Soybean Checkoff, will eliminate your fear of missing out. Benefit from cutting-edge agronomic research and pencil out the ROI of every acre you plant. Join us February 17th at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, near DMACC. There's no cost to attend, but seating is limited. Reserve your spot now at IASoybeans.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review their list of legislative priorities at iowabusinesscouncil.org. A note from a group called safehome.org came into our email box this week with some findings that were a bit curious. Rules and regulations concerning COVID-19 have been constantly changing. Just this past Thursday, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds announced the upcoming end of the series of emergency orders and proclamations on the topic. As a result of all the uncertainty about vaccination mandates, it appears many adults have considered lying about their vax status. Safehome.org says their recent survey on the topic showed that 38% of adults say they would consider lying about their COVID-19 vaccination status in order to work, travel, or avoid conflict. Beyond that, younger adults were most open to lying. Almost half of those aged 18 to 24 said they would consider lying about their vaccination status. Overall, unvaccinated folks were more likely than vaccinated people to lie or consider lying about their status. One in five vaccinated people, however, 20%, said they would consider lying to avoid conflict with family or friends. And more than a third said they'd lie about their vac status under what they called the right circumstances, the most common being for their job, to travel, enter a store, or attend college. Coming up, how one of the Midwest's most successful business training companies came to be. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. A politician wearing a bow tie walks into a bar and orders a pint of Guinness. Where is he? Why, in Waterloo, of course. The clip-on bow tie was invented in Waterloo, Iowa in 1918, at the same location where Jameson's Public House is today, in the city where the bow tie sporting Quentin Hart proudly serves as mayor. Which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit, stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, sponsors of an energy policy workshop to be held in Des Moines on March 24th. For more information on business energy efficiency or to register for the workshop, go to iwrc.org. In this week's profile segment, we'll meet Rowena Crosby, the owner of Taro International in Des Moines. It's an interpersonal skills research and corporate training company, but that's not what she thought her career would be. I'm actually from an accounting background, so I didn't go to school for adult education. And when I, when I was invited to serve in a training department, it was in the late 80s, early 90s, which is at a time when the human resources function wasn't very mature. In fact, we called it the personnel department back then. 
and the training function was just trying to find its place. And so I was asked with another uh, individual in our company, would we start a training the company because we knew the need for ongoing education mattered. I fell in love with corporate training because it offered an opportunity to provide education in a context people could use it immediately. And we didn't line people up in seats facing forward based on chronological age, which is what we do in schools. So I absolutely loved it. And when I left a company and wanted to start a business, it seemed natural to start this company. My name's Rowena, but they call me Ro, so I'm the Ro in Tarot. My late husband's name was Ted, and a marketing professional that I engaged when I started the business actually ended up inventing that word. He was never involved in the business, but it, it stuck. And in 1995, when the Internet came into common consumption, because I started the business in 93, uh, we had a four-letter company name and got a four-letter domain. Not very many companies you can claim that. You can't do that now. <laughs> you cannot do that cannot these do days. You cannot do that now. What are some things that business owners or managers, people who manage other people, what are some things that they might be able to do to break through, even if you will, the most obstinate employee? <laughs> That's so true. We're all different, aren't we? Sure. Uh, you know, we sometimes are troubled by people that seem to oppose our views or when the sky's blue, it's actually mm -hmm. a different color. We can learn a lot from those folks. So if we can take a sincere interest in people and try to find out where they're coming from and tap into their creativity, that's where you can get some of the biggest wins if they do tend to be a little bit obstinate. And they, they just want to get sold, and that could be a learning style. And I suppose to a large degree some people throw up the defense mechanism that if it's something new or different, they use that as a, as a coping mechanism and and so again you have to know as the manager where this resistance is coming from right yeah that's exactly right the research on the resistance to change is pretty fascinating and there is dif there are differences in how people adopt the pace of change jeffrey moore famously wrote about that in his book on the curve of the adoption of innovation or something where you've got people on the front end that are running fast and others the laggards is what he called them and then the rest of us are in that early or late majority so where we fall on that bell curve matters, but actually it's a little bit of a myth that we resist change. What most of us resist is the unknown. Mm. If we're the one initiating the change, we're usually on board with it or if we had a voice in it. So in a business context, communication is really key. If people can feel valued for what they've done in the past, can see an inspiring picture of where they're going, and have a little guidance to get through that period of the unknown, most of us can successfully make that journey. We've all heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's the same with training. Just because a body is in a seat doesn't mean they're a willing participant. Roe Crosby says there are multiple motivators for attendees, both external and internal. External is when the employer does things, does the punishments or the rewards. Internal motivation is the more powerful one, but that comes from the inside. So leaders can't motivate people. You can't make someone want to do something. So the best thing we can do as leaders is find out what people like to do and try to align their roles inside the organization with that. In the case of presenting to an audience, it's our job as presenters to find out what's important to the people in the audience so that we can tailor our message to what matters to them. There's so many dynamics that are going on between the relationship between the audience and the presenter, plus the environment that you're in and the time of day and are they getting frequent breaks. There's so much to think about that relates to engagement. From its start as a small business in her home in Earlham, Rowena Crosby's company now boasts 10 other trainers and consultants. 
offering a variety of public and private sessions for clients around the world. And over that more than a quarter century, the types of sessions they offer and the attitude of attendees has changed. When people came to class when I first started this business, they were often sent and they were hostages. And they thought it was punitive, you know, I'm being sent to class to be fixed. And actually they were right in many cases. Their managers were trying to change something about them. The new generation entering the workforce considers training and development part of their compensation and they're demanding it and they're eager learners. And that's a very, very different environment to work in and it's pretty inspiring. So if a message is not correctly delivered, on whose shoulders does that fall, the trainer or the student? Crosby says at Taro, the belief is how the message is received is most important. It doesn't matter what I meant to say. It doesn't matter what I did say. The only thing that matters is what people leave with. And so that's our obligation, whether it's one-on-one or in front of a group, to try to make sure that the message that's received is the one we want. Being a training professional has a high associated with it because it's a bit of a performance art, so I think most of our trainers feel that way. But the greatest reward comes usually much later. As an external training provider, we don't know what the impact of our work is. And if years later a graduate contacts us and said, it was that training class that gave me the confidence to position myself to start this business or to accept this leadership role or to make a difference, to know that we had some little role in helping the person find the skills and confidence to do that really, really matters. Rowena Crosby, president and founder of Taro International, online at tarotero.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.